I'm going to join you guys in looking at the cross this morning. The guys behind me just look past me. We're keeping our eyes in the center this morning. And um, we as a team met on Tuesday and like we asked each other, how do we, how do we bring this first part of our devotion series to a close? For those of you who haven't been here the past few weeks, God gave us a word for this year, and it's the word devotion. And it's out of the book of Acts, chapter 2, where we see how the first church, God's people, devoted themselves to four specific things. We spoke about being devoted to the word of God. We spoke about being devoted to fellowship, being devoted to prayer. And then we see that they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. And that's where we're going to stop this morning and speak about that. And we thought as a team the best way and the only way to bring this across in this school hall that we have, where we don't have our own facility, is to center everything around Jesus and the cross this morning. And that's our heart for today. And I'm going to read for us, we're going to look into three scriptures of passage this morning. We're going to read out of Acts chapter 2. We're going to read out of Colossians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 2 and 3, not all of it but segments of it, and we're going to read out of 1 Corinthians 11. So if you've got your Bibles, start looking for those passages so that you can read with us. I'm going to read to us again, and I hope by now that we know this passage, because we've stopped it at this past four weeks, out of Acts chapter 2, the, the scripture that God has given us for this year, and I'm reading from verse 42. Speaking about the New Testament church, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. It was a personal conviction, a personal choice to devote themselves. No one forced them to do it. No one made them do it. They made a decision in their own hearts to say, I'm devoting myself. And the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. The correct translation there says, fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread. Everyone say breaking bread. In their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. We see here that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word of God, to prayer, to fellowship, and the breaking of the bread. And then God brought dynamic demonstration. He brought signs and wonders. He added to their number daily. They had generous community where they shared every single thing they have. And there was a unity that could not be broken. So next week, we're going to start talking about the dynamic demonstration that God brings to us as a church when we devote ourselves to him. But I thought about this, and the breaking of the bread signifies the remembrance of Christ. That's what it means to break the bread. Jesus took the bread at the Last Supper, and he broke it. He says, this is my body, and I give it to you. And every time you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. So that's what these people did. And I try to imagine what it would have been like for them, the first church 
in the heat of the Middle East, no air-conditioned buildings, no U-version Bible apps, no sound teams, no worship teams, simply Jesus in the center and his body and his blood and the quiet remembrance of that. To them, that was enough. I asked myself the question, will we as a church even go so simple and so stripped apart that that is enough? to devote ourselves to the remembrance of Jesus in every single thing. Where the podcasts fall away, where social media fall away, and we talked about this a lot this year, of the simplicity of coming to Jesus in the middle of our lives. Where if we don't know the lyrics, we just sing a new song to God. And I hope this morning that God had something in your heart where you say, you know what, I, I might feel a little bit uncomfortable, I'm not in my same chair um, some of you, that's very hard. I had one or two people tune me about that that morning. I'm not sitting in my same chair. I feel a little bit out of sorts. It's hot. We feel the sweat. It's insignificant in relation to Jesus. Totally insignificant. I want to ask you a question. Think about the most important moment in your life. The most memorable moment. For some of you, it might be an incredible victory. For some of you, it was your wedding day. For some of you, it was a specific birthday. Some of you might have a very fond childhood memory. Think about that for a minute. I'm going to give you guys a minute to think about that most memorable moment. And if you have to single out a single thing, what would that most memorable moment be to you personally? It's interesting when we think about it. You might recall some moments in your life when you paused and you stopped and you reconsidered that moment. If it's a wedding anniversary, you do that hopefully every year. Uh, mean you get in trouble if you don't do it, so make sure that you do. If it's an important birthday, maybe the birth of your firstborn or maybe all your children is a momentous moment to you. You stop and you pause and you take moments in life to just take it in. And here we see the New Testament church did just that. They didn't just come together to share their bread in their homes. They came together to stop and say, kids, quiet a little bit. Do you guys know what we're going to do now? We're going to remember Jesus. We're going to take a moment to put everything aside and just think about what he did for us. We're going to take the bread and, and imagine that moment when we saw him on the cross. And imagine the the experience we had of God in that moment. We're going to take his blood and everything he taught about it and saying he's bringing a new covenant. He's bringing grace. He's bringing new wine. We can't hold it in our own, our old ways of living. We're going to think about that for a minute. They stopped and they said, let's think about three days later when the news started spreading that he is alive again. That's what they did every time they broke their bread wasn't just a matter of coming together and eating. Like we celebrate momentous moments in our, in our, in our life or moments and memories we want to cherish and hold on to, the First Testament church, and since then, all of us take a moment to remember the most significant, the most central, and most monumental moment in human history. Jesus God, the Word, becoming man, becoming flesh, and taking upon 
himself all our iniquities so that we can have life forevermore. That in itself, to me personally, is enough reason to gather on a Sunday. Not the amazing songs that Brian and the worship team sings. May I say, not even the amazing community we have here. These are all benefits of what Jesus did at the center. And that's our heart this morning at, as we say, Lord, how do we keep devotion in the center of our lives? We want to pause and consider the most important moment in history. The centrality of the New Testament church was all about Jesus. There was nothing else, really, nothing else. It wasn't about a vision. It wasn't about leaders. It was simply about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And years and centuries have passed, and there's a constant war for the gospel to remain center, and churches have adopted things, and none of that is bad. Those are all benefits, as I've said, to knowing Jesus and being a community. But we have to stop and say, God, when we break the bread, is this because we think about you at the center of everything? Turn your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We're going to start in chapter 1, and we're going to read a few verses together. I'm reading out of the ESV translation, Colossians chapter 1. This is Paul writing to the church. And he reminds them of the central message of Jesus Christ. And he reminds them to be, take moments of remembrance. It says this in verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Every time you partake in the bread, remind ourselves that Jesus qualified me to be a partaker with the saints in this inheritance. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. Isn't that powerful? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I want us to say that together. In him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Thank you, Jesus. It's not me. (laughs) Thanks that you're the head and that you have a function for leadership. And we may want to use the metaphor that leaders are the heartbeat, but we're not the head. Jesus is the head. Gives me huge confidence to stand here today to know that he is leading his body. He is the beginning, the firstborn, I read that already. Um, yeah, he's, he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Preeminent, a strong word, that, that he is before everything, that he exists in everything, that all things holds in him. The, the writer is reminding us again and again and again about the central message of Jesus Christ. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind to doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, say stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul is just reiterating, saying again and again that everything is in Jesus, everything holds in him, he is preeminent, he's the firstborn of all creation, in him the fullness of God's glory decided to dwell, in him is everything we need, and all we need to do is hold steadfast unto him. And when we do, there's a stability that comes, and we won't be shifting and this is what the New Testament church devoted themselves to. That moment of Jesus was so fresh in their memory that they couldn't think about devoting themselves to anything else. And our battle today is fighting off all the other things that steal our attention so that we can make this central in everything we do. I want to speak to you about that concept of everything holding together in Jesus Christ. You see, when we come to the cross... We are grafted in, the Bible says. We become adopted into his family, and then we are steady and we hold on to him. And I don't know if you've heard this before, and even myself have talked about this, but when you think about life and you ask yourself the question, what is my priorities? The kind of image we have is we build a little pyramid. We say, at the bottom is God. He's first, he's most important, and that's right, and that's correct. And then secondly, after God is my spouse and my family, right? You guys have built that in your brain? Have you built your little block? Have you talked about it? Anyone done it? Is it just me that's weird like that? Okay, maybe three or four of you. So it's Jesus at the bottom, it's God, and then it's my family. And then after that, it's maybe church community or my work and my career. And then we start building our priorities. And hopefully we align our lifestyle to such priority list that we create for ourselves. The Bible sees it a little bit differently. It says that Jesus stands in the center and everything else holds on to him. So there's one priority, that's Jesus Christ, and the rest holds within him. Because there might be moments where your focus needs to be a little bit more at work, because you'll be called to work and work faithfully, and you can't be sitting and thinking, daydreaming about your wife only in that moment. It's very hard to not do that. <laughs> But then you get home and you need to focus a little bit on family, right? But there's one thing that never shifts. You see, we can, we can add our things to this. We can add our vision for our own life to the cross. And we should, because that's in the center. And I can continue. I can add more things. We can add family to the cross. Instead of building a, a little pyramid, we say, God, we anchor our family in your cross. And the image that you can get is everything just holding together in him. But you see what happens is we come and we make this so central in our lives that we say, this is very important to me and we start pulling and we try and remove Jesus from the center and one day that thing snaps and you've got to ask yourself the question, 
if Jesus is not at the center and that thing that you've been putting your dear life into snaps, what are you gonna do? You see, even in church, we make a lot about church and for a pastor to say that, it's a little bit risky. And the church holds in him, but if the focus is church and we just make that the reason we get together, it's gonna snap one day. Hopefully not. <laughs> but if that is what we put our trust in, our faith in, and not in Jesus, we miss the point because everything holds in him. He doesn't hold everything. It's not that everything else is, is center and then we tie it onto the cross and we say, please, Jesus, hold this together. It's the other way around. And this is what the New Testament church did and understood in their devotion. They didn't make their ministry the center focus. They didn't make family the center focus. They didn't make their own vision and goals the center focus. And I can use endless examples. But the only thing that holds is Jesus. This remains solid. Unless I try and pick it up now practically and remove it. But in this image, these little strings... I don't know if you've ever read that scripture in, in the book of Job where it says, you pinched me from a piece of clay. Yet we make ourselves so significant where the most significant thing in life is this. Jesus is the anchor of our souls. And if he's not, we ought to make him the anchor of our souls. Because everything holds in him. And I think I might have mentioned some examples here today that made you think. But you know what's beautiful about this message? That yes, it's a strong one for us to say, God, do we devote ourselves to the remembrance of you and everything? But what are we remembering? That's an important question to ask. We're not just remembering Jesus at the center. And I want to continue reading from the book of Colossians to help us understand what we are remembering. And you, I'm reading chapter two, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made a life together with him. We are remembering that we were once dead and that we are now alive. Having forgiven us all our trespasses, saying all, every single time, we slip and fall and we trespass against God. He has taken that upon him and he's willing to forgive that. So he takes us out of death. He puts us into life. That's what we're remembering. We're remembering that he comes and he cleanses us when we confess our sins and he restores us again. That's what we're remembering. I love this. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We all have our record of debt. And what we're remembering is Jesus said, I nailed it onto the cross. This is not yours to carry anymore. Every time we take the bread and drink the cup, that's what we remind ourselves of. That he took every trespass that legally stood against us. Imagine being in a court, and I've used this example before, where you stand accused, and your accuser is there, and the Bible says, Clearly who our accuser is. And he comes and he calls out all your wrongs. And Jesus walks and he says, I'll take that list. Thank you very much. 
And he placed it on himself and he said, I'm going to die with this. I'm taking it there. Taking it to death. I'm leaving it there. I've overcome it. That is what we're remembering. And that's not a light thing. It's something that causes joy and excitement and life. And that's what church is about. But it's never a light thing. It's never something that we just push aside and we put other centers in our lives and then we just hook Jesus onto that. This is something that has to be central in every single part of our being if we say that we are a people who devote ourselves to the breaking of the bread. We are remembering chapter three in Colossians. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that powerful? I'm going to read that again. For you have died. Coming to the cross, you say, God, I I die in myself, and we, we know how it works. We are raised in Christ again. For you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ. So all these things that we attach to him is good. That is us remembering that everything we own, everything we have, everything that exists in our life is in him. The image I wanted to bring across this morning was one of just multiple strings. And I realized it's going to be impractical today. But imagine every area of your life and you add a string to this thing. That's what that scripture is saying. And everything stands within him. And is being held together with Christ Jesus. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As we prepare to partake in the supper or the meal that Jesus invited all of us to. Being devoted to the breaking of the bread means that we, as often as we can, stop and consider what Jesus did for us. We stop and we ask ourselves the question, Jesus, are you still at the center? Do I just say it? Do I just feel it when it's Wednesday night and there's a life group and there's a little bit of community again? Or do I wake up every morning putting you at the center of everything? What I love about that scripture is that they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread. They gathered in the temple, but they also gathered in their homes. Communion, as we know it today, shouldn't just happen here on a Sunday. I loved to hear this week that one of the life groups took a guitar this week and they had communion. You know what? You can do this in your own homes with your own kids. We say, okay, kids, I know this. Mom cooked an incredible meal and it looks amazing, but shh, for a minute, let's think about this. Take that piece of bread that's on your plate and just lift it up. Think for a minute that that's Jesus' body. And when you eat it, imagine the significance that he said, my body was broken for you so that you can be alive in me, so that in me everything holds together, that your life is hidden in me. And then before you drink your juice there, it could be oros, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be red in color. Little one, before you drink that, just think for a minute about every drop of blood that dripped, dripped, dripped on the floor for your sins. 
And then after that moment, you take the hands of your family members and say, God, we remember that everything we have holds in this. And you thank him, and you say amen, and you finish your plate of food. That's what they did. The question we have to answer is, will we pause in life to do this? Or will we wait till the team decides, let's put out the elements? The first church simply did this. They paused every day. It was so fresh in their memory. So my prayer for us this week has been that God would refresh in our memories what he did for us. That it wouldn't be an effort, but that there would be an effortless drawing back to him, saying, you and what you did and the symbol is sufficient for us as a house let's read 1 Corinthians 11 speaks about the Lord's Supper and the Apostle Paul is undone with the church in Corinth because they've neglected to remember Jesus in the middle of the times that they got together to eat he said you know what you come together and you bring your food and you join in. It's a little bit like a potluck. That's how they did it in those days. So next time we have communion, we'll let you know we can all bring some bread. See, and then you just stuff your faces. And some of you don't even consider handing a piece to the poor brother next to you. He says, don't you have houses to eat in? Eat your food that you need for your body and your house. But when you come together to remember me, don't make a foolish thing of it. He said, and some of you leave drunk because they drank proper wine. You come together and you just, you just drink and you leave drunk. He says, and I love how he says it. He says, what? Exclamation mark. What have you made of this important central moment in our walk as Christians to come to the table and the breaking of the bread? Have you just made it something simple and plain and everyday or do you stop and really consider what it looks like and then he reminds them of what it is about for I received from the Lord but I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, The cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. How do we drink the cup in an unworthy manner? Simple without stopping and reminding ourselves what it is about. It's where we still hold on to that sin. But yet we say, thanks Jesus for forgiving me. We come lightly. And he reminded them, every time you do this, pause and remember the death. That cup that I took in the garden was filled with your sin, was filled with your pain, your sickness, your filth, and I drank it. I took it on me. So don't do this lightly. 
Do this in a manner where you discern yourself. And he says that. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is post the cross. This is new covenant. This is in the grace covenant that this is real. See, it's easy to talk about grace and just the forgiveness of sins time and time again. But if we devote it to Jesus Christ at the center, there will be a moment where we say, I'm done. I put it aside and I thank him for the fullness of forgiveness. And I am finished with the old way of living. Because if I drink this out of an ungrateful heart and I go from this room out of these doors and just live my lifestyle again, I have brought judgment upon myself. Wow, Pierre, you're sounding very strong this morning. It's not me, it's in the Word of God. And I want to be a church that say, the Word of God, that's how we do it. We want, don't want to make it easy so that we feel, this is good, this is comfortable. We want to be people who discern ourselves because it continues saying this. But if we judged ourselves, truly, we would not be judged. Every time we eat, the bread and drink the cup, we have an opportunity to judge ourselves. Say, God, I discern myself and I say, God, is there any wicked way in me? Like the psalmist says, God, search me and see if there's any wicked way. And if there is, I bring it to you again and I lay it down again and I partake in this message again that you died for me on the cross. I'm going to read to you the message version of this scripture. Let me go over with you exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the master himself and then I passed it on to you. The master Jesus on the night of his betrayal took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took the cup. He did the same. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. You must solemnly realize this, that every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you reenact in your words and your actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup irreverently, without reverence for God, is like a part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? Therefore, examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to this meal in holy awe. So my encouragement to us this morning is this. It's not just remembering the death. It's remembering the life that you can have because of this. But it is a costly remembrance. And this first church knew this. Therefore, they paused and made this a central moment in their walk. And like that song that we sang that, it is finished, it is finished, it is finished. The victory is won. Jesus has done it all. 
you simply have to come this morning and say, thank you, Christ Jesus, for your grace. Thank you that I'm seated with you in heavenly places. Thank you that I'm a new creation. Thank you that the old is gone and that the new has come. Thank you that my life is hidden in you. Thank you that every single sin that I commit, you've taken on your back. Thank you that the sicknesses that I might face in this life, you've taken to the cross. Thank you that time and time again, if I stumble and I fall and I come back to this table again and again and again, until the day that you return and I experience the fullness that you have for me, that's what we're remembering. Isn't that powerful? So my encouragement to us this morning is to do that as often as possible. We're going to take a moment to reflect. We're going to take a moment to discern ourselves. It's a strong word, judge, but that's in the Bible. To judge ourselves and say, and I'm doing the same here this morning. It's not that I'm going to sit in a corner and let you guys do your judging of yourselves. I'm going to go back and say, God, show me what is there in my life that is unworthy in your eyes, that is not worthy of your honor, And then after you've done that, you might have a little list. You might have one thing. We're going to give you an opportunity to bring that to the cross this morning. Because he took it. It's not yours to carry around anymore. And none of you guys remember the weights we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's not ours to carry around anymore. Maybe he says to you that you've made other things to center. So you eating in an unworthy manner because I'm not at the center of your lives. Other things have become more important than me. Maybe you've never made him the center of your life this morning. And he's speaking to you right now. The Bible says he knocks. And when we open our hearts, he comes in and he gives us fullness of life. And all we're going to do this morning is Amos 5, we're going to seek him and we're going to live here, leave here living in the fullness that he has for us. So as Brian and Helena ministers this song, I want you to sing along. We can keep the words off the screen. It's for you to say, I put aside everything and I discern myself and this message of Jesus at the center. And for Jesus, through the power of his Holy Spirit, to speak to you about the things in your life that you need to lay down this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to each one of us. Thank you that this message of grace and forgiveness and hope is sufficient, that we don't need anything else. So come and speak to us in our walk with you this morning. Thank you, Lord.